Right, so I just want to recap a few things of what we said on, on um, Friday, and then we're going to continue with the word. Okay, so um, Friday, I read out of Romans chapter 6, um, and I said, we are baptized into his death. That's what he says here, verse 3. Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, we are baptized into his death. So baptism is a picture of us dying in his death and being raised to a new life in his resurrection. So we are united with him in the cross and we are united with him in the resurrection. And that's the communion and the baptism. The communion is I share his broken body, sufferings of his broken body. His body was broken for me. His blood was poured out. That becomes my feast. That becomes my sacrifice. Okay? So, but I die with him. I'm baptized. And I lay my life down, the old Adam life, the natural life that was corrupted by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I was raised to a new life in Christ Jesus the second man, the last Adam, I was raised in fellowship with him. So 2 Corinthians 5 says, um, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, behold, the new has come. Okay, so you, it's not Adam that's fixed. Adam, it's not Adam that was in the grave and Adam that was risen out of the grave. Adam was killed on the cross. And Christ, the second man, the last Adam, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, has now been raised. So in fellowship with Christ, the, the body of sin has been completely destroyed on the cross. And his resurrection body of glory has been raised. Okay? So together with him, we have been crucified. Together with him, we have been buried in baptism. Together with him, we have been raised from the dead. And Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. That means you are in Christ, and Christ is in you, and where he is, you are now. Are you with me? Okay, remember John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. It's not one day and I'm going to take you to heaven. That's not what John 14 talks about. He says, in a little while I'll come back and take you to where I am. A little while is three days, a little while is not 2,000 years. That's a long while. Okay? So he didn't say, one day I'm going to come and fly away, oh glory, we're going to go to heaven. That's not what he said there. John 14 says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So he prepared a place for us. And that's what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and 20 says. He opened up for us a fresh new living way through the separating curtain of the veil of the Holy of Holies, that is, through his flesh. So th through the broken body, there's the communion again. You have a way into the real, true Holy of Holies. So the Spirit of God, the real, true Holy of Holies, becomes your temple. You worship God in spirit and in truth. Does it make sense? Okay, so you can now enter in and find him in the spirit. And you can worship there. Right? I'm in him and he's in me. So I'm hidden in him and he's revealed in me. He's the head, I'm the body. So I died in fellowship with him in baptism. But I'm raised in fellowship with him in the resurrection. So his resurrection becomes my resurrection. Because his death became my death. Okay. 
I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2 verse 20. It's not I that live, Christ lives within me. Okay, so Friday I said, death is, the, is, is, a, is something that ends something with finality. There's a finality to death. Okay, so in the body of Christ, the physical body of Christ, sin was subdued, overcame, and deprived of its power. Amplified Romans chapter 8 verse 3. So sin was subdued, overcame, deprived of the power now it says, over all who accept the sacrifice. So if I can be one with him, meaning I become the body of Christ. So together we are the body, but individually we are his body. He dwells in us. Do you not know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? He dwells inside you. So if I'm his body, then I'm one with him, which then now means me being the body of Christ, sin is subdued overcome and deprived of its power because I accepted the sacrifice. Okay? This is all Friday, okay, with a few extra things. Okay. So, so which means if I live in union with him, surrendered to Jesus, sin has no influence. There's a place in Christ where we can live without temptation, where we can live without, without having to fight the nature of the flesh, because the nature of the flesh was crucified with Christ. Adam was killed. Stop trying to fix Adam. Your calling is not to fix Adam. Your calling is not to make the tree of the knowledge of good and evil make, give life to you. It will always bring death to you. Okay? People try their best, but they're standing at the wrong tree. If you have to work to make yourself better in order to get something from God, you're standing at the wrong tree. But if you can receive life from the mouth of Christ, the fruits that come from the tree of life, you, you receive life. In fellowship with Him, you have life. Okay? All right? So, I just want to share something that I, that I shared with her last night. Okay, so... Um, just going to quickly say, just run with me, okay? So in, um, where shall we start? Okay, John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, okay? But Jesus said, verse 10, the thief comes only for to steal and kill and destroy. Okay. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So there's two sources. Stealing, killing, and destruction in the world comes from the thief, and life comes from Jesus. So there's two trees in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God said from the beginning, if you eat that, you'll die. And there's the tree of life, if you eat that, you'll live. So, Adam, the carnali, Ate from the wrong tree. Okay? So, Romans 5 is 12. Sin entered into the world and death through sin. No one being able to stop it. Okay? So, uh, now we're in a world where death has entered. So, the stuff that happens is because death entered through Adam. It's got nothing to do with God. Bad stuff that happened to you. It's not God. God has nothing to do with anything you've ever suffered. 
So what, did, what is God's real nature? It's revealed in the, in the person Jesus Christ. Did Jesus ever kill anyone? Did Jesus ever give sickness to anyone? Did Jesus ever bring a curse to anyone? No. But he brought life. Take care, your sins are forgiven. Rise up, take your bed and walk. Go wash at the pool of Siloam. Eyes were opened. Okay? Bringing life, bringing life, bringing life. Everywhere he goes. Okay? So, who was the thief and who was the good shepherd? Jesus is the good shepherd. We know that. The tree of life. Who's the thief? Jesus said, from, if you read from verse 7 or so, in John chapter 10, he says, he says, I am the door. All those who came before me, with other words, all those who came before me as a door, as showing a way, all those who came before me are thieves and robbers. So who's the thieves and robbers? Those who came before Jesus. Who came before Jesus? Well, in one context, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, what were they talking about? Good versus evil, good versus evil, the law of Moses. Do the rituals, do the rituals, then you will be. Do, then you will be. It's the same thing that the serpent said to Adam and Eve. If you eat this, then you'll have knowledge, and you'll be like God, having the knowledge of good and evil. But God said they were already created in his image and in his likeness. They were already like him. So instead of just trusting him and what he said about them, they wanted to do something to become like him. So if you want to become like him, you first have to believe that you're not like him. And if you believe that you're not like him, the opposite of him will manifest. It will maybe take a few years for that to come through to someone. Okay. So, so if you believe, whatever you believe about yourself is what's coming out of you. If you don't believe you're blessed, you're not, you will not be blessed. If you don't believe you're forgiven, then you will live feeling condemned all the time. All right? So what you believe about yourself is what's coming out. Okay. So if you find your identity in him, you know you're in him and he's in you. Him is coming out. Okay? All right. So all those who come before Jesus, thieves and robbers. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, so there's two trees. The, the, the tree that brought in death. First man, Adam, the man of dust, earthly minded. First Corinthians 15. Adam ate from the first tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It brought in death. Who came before Christ? The first man, Adam, who ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Always comes back to the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is simply this. I gain knowledge to lead myself in the right way, what is right and what is wrong. Right is right. I must know what right from wrong so that I can lead myself. That's not what God wants for you. Because it's a declaration of independence from Him. So I don't want the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want the knowledge of sin because it will always tempt me. Because... Sin finds opportunity in the commandment, Romans 7 verse 8. Okay, so now here I am on the other side, the tree of life. Here comes the good shepherd. Here comes the one that brings life and have it, to have it more abundantly, Jesus Christ. Okay? So um, if I simply trust him that he knows everything that I need to do, then I'm fine. 
I don't have to have the knowledge. I don't have to know everything about my decision before I make it. I mean, it's like me before I buy a car. I just research everything. You know, and, I, and still then I struggle with dealers that lie to me. Okay? Like with that bus that I bought. But luckily it was sorted out. Okay. So later on, the last car we bought, I looked at a few deals and I felt this one. Then I said, this one. Yes, this one. Exactly the same. Let's go for this one. We didn't ask any more questions. We, we bought the one that the Holy Spirit said. And everything was fine. <laughs> we had no problems. Okay, so if you try to find your own way by knowledge, you might, you know, you might hit, but you might miss. You might hit, but you might miss. Okay? But united with Christ in resurrection life, if you eat from the tree of life, everything flowing out of that relationship is life. You don't have to know everything. You have to know him. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so uh, you know 2 Corinthians 3 by now. Okay, so uh, down to this very day whenever Moses is read, knowledge of good and evil, right, wrong, right, wrong, that same veil still lies in their hearts and minds, so you don't see. But when a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And we all with unveiled face behold him and we are changed into his very image. So if you want to be like him, you have to look into his face all the time. If you want to manifest Christ, look to him, have fellowship with him, know him. If you know him, it will reflect. But if you want to try and become like him and work and be like Jesus, you're never going to get there. You're going to manifest the opposite. Because it is, in, his, in essence, me trying to establish another Messiah in myself. There's Jesus, there's me, me trying to be like Jesus. So it's another one. No, 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 I die. Good riddance. The world is rid of Herod. My goodness, what a victory. Okay. So, bye-bye. But I find my life in him. Now there's one. One Father, one Spirit, one Lord, one body, one head. If we all are one in Him, we are all one here. But everyone is trying to get everyone one here. That's why there's 30,000 denominations. But if we can just connect with the head, we're all one. So we have one focus to know Jesus to have fellowship with him in life. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so that's kind of an extra free sermonette that came in with me trying to recap. I, I struggled to recap because then I just flow with something else. But, okay. So Romans chapter 6, let's just go to verse 5. It says, For if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, baptism, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. Not one day, two day. You did come out of the water, didn't you? Okay. 
So, today, baptized into his death, he shared his resurrection. Okay, so he says, We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves of sin. Thank you, Lord, we are no longer slaves of, of sin because we believe we died. So, I said that this the other day. You're not struggling with sin. You're struggling because you don't believe the Scripture. I've been crucified with Christ, not I that live. Christ lives. You don't believe the Scripture that says, I've been baptized into His death. I have died with Him. And I share His fellowship. If you believe that, you will stop struggling. You struggle because you're looking at yourself. Guess what's making you look at yourself? Maybe we're standing at the wrong tree again. <laughs> because the knowledge of good and evil puts your attention on yourself instead of on the face of Jesus. If you see the face of Jesus, you will not struggle because he is wonderful. Okay? All right. When a man dies, verse 7, he is freed from the power of sin. Oh, so it's spoken in the context of the death that we share in his death in, in baptism. That means you have been, have been freed from the power of sin at your baptism. What do you believe about yourself? Okay? All right. Now, if we have died with him, we believe that we shall also live with him. Because we know that Christ, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it once for all. Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted in every respect as we are. So that whole Adamic nature that he carried and that he overcame and subdued and deprived of power, okay? He says he died to that once for all. That means Adam is still in the grave. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. So there we have, we have this, unbroken fellowship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Now if we look at the phrase unbroken fellowship, we can jump to 1 John chapter 1. He says, if we dwell, in, you can maybe put the scripture up, 1 John 1 verse 7. He says, if we dwell in the light as he is in the light. Let me just wait for Nico because I'm running ahead. Can we, 1 John 1 verse 7, please. Is it up? Okay, if we really are walking in the light as he himself is in the light, uh, we have unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin and keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. You see, fellowship with him is fellowship with his blood. So how do you have fellowship with him? You enter in by the door. What's the door? His body broken and his blood poured out. So that's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 again. He opened up for us a fresh, new, living way. Jesus said, John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so he opened up a fresh, new, living way through the power of the blood of Jesus and through the uh, separating curtain that is through his flesh. Okay, that's Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20. So the only way you can get into the secret place, into the spiritual temple, the only way you can get in there is through the blood. So if you dwell in the light, the blood of Jesus, what's the light? The light is the truth. The light is him. The light is the word because John 1 says, in him was life and the life was the light of man. Okay, so, so life and light, dwelling in the light means dwelling in the truth of the word. 
So if you dwell in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus cleanses you, keeps you clean. So it's a continuous cleansing. The blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse you and now you get dirty and cleanse you again, now you get dirty and cleanse you again, now you get dirty. No, you dwell in the light, it cleanses you. It's a continuous stream of cleansing. You can offend your own conscience once in a while, but the moment you get in the truth again, it's a cleansing flow. It's a continuous river flowing, 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 keeping you clean. It's a river of the blood of Christ. It's a river of life continuously flowing. Okay. If we dwell in the light, it's in the light, we have unbroken fellowship with him. Through his death, we live. Okay? If we share his death, we share in his resurrection. Okay. So let me, let me just get back to Romans 6. He says, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, because Christ, being once raised from dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lived, he lives to God in unbroken fellowship. Even so, consider yourselves also. This stuff is rough, man. This stuff is like, it blows all the fuses of the natural mind. It's like, even so, consider yourself also dead to sin and your relation to it broken. So consider yourself means it's, it's an act of faith. You consider yourself. You believe something. Dead to sin, your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal bodies, to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions. So I let sin rule in my body if I don't consider myself also dead to sin and alive to God. But if I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God, I don't let sin rule in my body. So it's all found in him. It's all found in trusting in the cross. It's all found in looking to him. So for, for you to see what is inside the door, you need to look to the door. Okay. So if you, if you get up in the morning, your curtains are closed. The light is shining on the outside. The sun is shining. Unless you get up very early in the morning. But okay, so the sun is shining on the outside. But it's dark inside. So what do you do to get the light on the inside of your room? You open the curtain. So the veil was rent top to bottom. And the glory filled the earth. Okay? So the source of God's light, the word, is the cross. If you're hearing preaching, putting your attention on yourself and how bad you are and that you must do things to become acceptable to God, you are not looking at the door. You are sitting under a veil and there's darkness. But when a person turns in repentance, the veil is stripped off or the veil is torn or the veil is removed and we behold him with unveiled face. Okay, so he's the resurrected one. If we find ourselves in him, we share in his resurrection. He's the one that died on the cross. If we find ourselves in him, we have died in, on the cross with him. Okay? So, um, 
through the fellowship with his suffering, taking communion, through the fellowship with his death and resurrection, baptism. Okay. It's both actions that we do to demonstrate what we believe. Okay? Something that God gave us to make it real so we can, we can have something to relate with. Okay? But that's the picture. Okay. Let's just jump to Romans chapter 8. So the whole point is that through fellowship with him we live. Fellowship with him. Through fellowship with him we died. Adam was completely forever destroyed. Hebrews chapter 10. I just want to throw this in. Verse 9. You know it. Here he comes and he says, here I am coming to do your will. Then he says, verse 10, according to this will, you have been made holy through the offering of the flesh body of Jesus Christ. Through the open door, which is the cross, which is his broken body. Blood, you can, cannot come in without having the blood of Jesus come upon you. Cleanses you. Okay? And then verse 14 says, And those whom we have made holy, he has also forever completely cleansed and perfected. So in Christ, you are forever completely cleansed and perfected. All you have to do is go into Christ. Fellowship with him means it's your life. If you have a life separate from Christ, it's not your life. If you are life joined with Christ, in fellowship with Christ, that's your life. Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? Are you born again? Then you have been forever completely cleansed and perfected. Do we see it? <laughs> Not yet, but what do you believe about yourself? So the manifestation will grow and grow and grow and grow as you believe something that's a fact in the Spirit already. That's already done. He said it, verse 10, once for all. That's, that's a phrase that pops up in Hebrews. Once for all, once for all, once for all. Single sacrifice. Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. If Christ lives in you, then although your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, the spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you. Okay, so the body is dead by reason of sin and guilt. So there's a manifestation in this. So there's death actively at work in our bodies. You know, people grow old and people die. Do people die? Yes. So your body be dead by reason of sin and guilt. So because of the sin and guilt that came through Adam and Eve, the knowledge of good and evil, that became part of the very natural nature of humanity. Because of that, that's our starting point. You know, a life subject to death. But now he says the spirit on the inside is made alive. Because of righteousness that is imputed to you. So imputed means it's given to you. You don't work and work it up and produce it yourself. It's given to you because of something that you believe. So because of the righteousness, your spirit on the inside is life. King James's life amplified is made alive. Okay. 
He who knew no sin, we were there earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.21, became sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there's that place again, the qualification is in him. So it's not all people, it's all who believe in him. Okay. You receive his righteousness as a free gift. Gift. It's a gift. The righteousness which is of Christ is not by the law, but it is a gift. Are you with me? Romans 10 verse 4, Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. He says in verse 2 and 3, I bear witness to Israel that they have a zeal and an enthusiasm for God, but it is not according to correct and vital knowledge because they seek to establish their own righteousness and they are ignorant of the righteousness that God gives. What you do, right or wrong, has nothing to do with the reason God counts you righteous. Yet can we now all go rob banks and kill people? And why, why is that even a desire? Why is that even a question? Have you not died? Have you, have you not died? Why do you, why do you even want to think of robbing a bank? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? The law is not given for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. If you believe you're the unrighteous, you would want to think that way. Okay. The righteousness that's been given to you is simply this. It's the very nature, the very image and likeness of God that's put on the inside of you because of the Holy Spirit. His righteousness is his way of doing, living. It's him being right with God. So your you-ness have been taken out and his awesomeness has been placed on the inside of you. So the you has been killed with him on the cross and the him is now in you. Your righteousness is in him. If you find your life in him, people will find him in you. If you try to become righteous, so you try to grab the righteousness, you grab the godliness, you believe you're not it, but you're trying to reach out to it by your works, you will not attain it. But if you understand that there's no way I can do this, I need forgiveness for even my very best efforts. Even my best day when I behaved my best, my best day, man, when I was just, yeah, the most awesome human being. You know, if you look back on the graph that you keep of yourself during your life, you know, yeah, yeah, there I measured high, self-righteousness, okay? If you look, if you look to the best thing you've ever done, God freely forgives you. <laughs> Let me help you. You are infinitely more evil than you can ever imagine. 
<laughs> you are capable of much worse than you think. But in Christ, you are as holy as Jesus. You are as holy as the Father. You have been completely washed clean. You have been made like Him. In Him. So our efforts should not be in trying to get ourselves better. Our efforts is in knowing Him. Because if I can know Him, if I have fellowship with Him, I'm changed into His very image. Then my manifestation changes. Then my biology changes. So first, I look to the truth in the Spirit. If I can see it in the Spirit, it will manifest in the, in the natural. Okay? If I can associate with Christ in His death and in His resurrection, if I can see myself seated with Christ in heavenly places, totally holy, blameless, spotless, I am the light of the world, I'm washed in, I'm holy, I'm blessed. I'm not sick, I'm well. I'm not poor, I'm rich. There's nothing that's oppressing me, all things are underneath my feet. If I can see Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, and I can see myself seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father, and if I can associate with that, it will start manifesting in my life. Then it's no more any effort of me trying to become, but it is me, there's a gradual increase in manifestation as I get with the program, as I believe who I already am in Him because of His blood, because of His sacrifice, because of what He did. You don't have to do anything but believe. Yes, but I've made such a mess in my life. You're forgiven, believe it. How are you gonna how are you gonna fix it? Are you gonna go back twenty years and fix it? How are you gonna fix the result of what you've done? You can't. How can you do how can you undo what is done? How can you unsay what is said? Okay? So we spoke about it also the other day. The the justice of God. So you need to get this. God is just. If you die, you are raised in Christ. You find yourself in Him. All charges against you is gone. It was punished on Jesus. Yes, but what about the people I wronged? He died for them too. What about the people that wronged me? He died for them too. That's why we need to forgive people. I'm not now suddenly a judge that can point a finger at someone that did something against me just because they are wrong. I'm wrong too. But he died for me and the, the other person. So now, what about the person I wronged? Christ has made provision for that person's restoration. He will find his provision of restoration in Christ, not in me. Christ is sufficient. So, if I messed up Quervis' life, okay, I didn't, but if I messed up <laughs> Quervis' life, <laughs> Quervis is like, wow, you know. So, <laughs> uh, I can receive forgiveness for, from Christ that's already provided for. 
and he can receive restitution from Christ. He can receive, God will restore everything that he lost. More than double. Okay? If his trust is in Jesus and my trust is in Jesus, then we are one, even though I did something against him. So we can't go on a record of what people have done anymore. So that's why he said, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, though we knew Christ after the flesh, we know him no longer after the flesh. So we don't know him after the, the flesh, son of David, son of, son of Abraham, but he's now the son of God. Okay, so we know him no longer after the flesh. Subsequently, we know no one after the flesh, but after the spirit. So I can't look on the outside and make a judgment on your life. I can look and see Christ. I can look. I need to completely have my eyes and how I see people washed in the blood of Jesus and see people how God sees them. And in doing so, I minister that to them. If I see him as forgiven, even though whatever he's done, when I speak to him, that forgiveness will flow to him. But if I see him as a vetter, then, <laughs> or as a whatever, skarmanko, then every word I say will minister that to him. And people wonder why people struggle if you listen to the word people are hearing. The biggest problem in your life is not what you do. The biggest problem in your life is what you hear. What do you hear concerning God? Is what you're hearing putting a, a burden on you to perform better, to score 500 heaven points, you know, like, or like 1,000 heaven points or something? Yeah, that must be at least 1,500 heaven points, okay? So, <laughs> or is what you're hearing putting your attention on what Jesus did, him taking the whole of the mess that is you on himself on that cross and giving you all the glory of what is him as a free gift. What are you hearing? Is your trust in your own works or is your trust in his works? You're not saved by your works. You are saved by his works. And you need to trust that what he, that what he has done is enough for you to be righteous with God, to be well with God. Okay, so, that was a long rabbit trail. I was in Romans 8 verse 10. Okay, in Christ, that was a quick, you know, brackets, some righteousness in between. I wanted to get somewhere. Okay. I, I want to still get to Philippians 2 and 3, so let's see. How, okay, I'm just going. Okay, right, so he says, if Christ lives in the, you, all your, though your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Okay, so manifestation, you still get sick, you still get older, you know. The effect of Adam is still active in your body because Adam could not die before the fall, before knowledge of good and evil came. So if people die, their effect is still there. Okay, now he says, if Christ lives in you, then although your natural body be dead, 
The spirit is alive. So he saves you from the inside out. In your spirit, Romans 8 says, you know, your spirit testifies together with God's spirit that you are sons of God. So, or children of God. So now your spirit on the inside has received righteousness. Your spirit on the inside has been made one with the Holy Spirit. And there's a voice coming from the inside. Father, Father. Not a voice coming from the inside, guilty, guilty. <laughs> but a voice crying out to the Father for fellowship, unbroken fellowship. Okay. So, verse 11. Just listen. And if the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead. Okay, so we're talking about resurrection. Jesus was raised from the dead, right? What raised Jesus from the dead? The Spirit of God. He had no blood in his body. His blood was shed on the cross. So his flesh and bone body, natural flesh and bone body, no blood, raised from the dead by the Spirit. So it's the Spirit keeping him alive. Okay, so he says, if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so now he's given us that very same Spirit, that resurrection Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of life that you receive through faith in the gospel. If that Spirit dwells in you, then He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. King James says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. So quicken can also be used in the context of an actual dead person be raised. Okay? The quick, the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. So he quickens you, he restores to life, he brings life to you. So now, the context says he's speaking about someone who's alive. Your body is subject to death. Do your spirit be alive because of righteousness? Your body is dead by reason of sin and guilt. That's verse 10. Verse 11. But now, that spirit that has come in you because of the righteousness that's given to you, that's now brought life. Verse 10. If that spirit dwells in you. In other words, now that spirit is dwelling, so it starts to manifest in the soul dimension, in your thoughts, in your emotion in your thinking, in your decisions, in what you are aware of, in your conscience, okay? It's spirit and soul now being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He saves you from the inside. First spirit, now he starts to influence your soul. He dwells in you. Then that spirit who dwells in you will restore to life your body. So the more the life manifests, the life that's been given to you in spirit starts to manifest in your soul. So your soul starts getting saved. So now you start experiencing life in your soul. Now you start experiencing God's righteousness in your soul. So you don't experience sin in your soul anymore and death in your soul. Now you start experiencing His holiness, His righteousness, His fellowship with Him. Okay, what happens? It starts to affect your body. Okay, one effect 
they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Body touching body, boom, sickness gone. So it's the spirit touching a body, bringing life, sickness gone. How can it? It's not a scientific thing for someone to just lay a hand on someone else and then the sickness is gone or the headache is gone or whatever. But still we see it. So what happens? It's something from the unseen, something from the heavenly, something from the secret place, from the very throne of God that reaches through us into this world and touches someone's life. It touches the body. Okay? Quickens someone. But even more so, do you think if a nuclear power plant dwells on the inside of you that that energy will affect you? I think so. So now Christ, the source of everything, the creator of the world, dwells on the inside of you. Don't you think it will start bringing life to your body? Don't you think it will start helping your thoughts to be thoughts of life? Start, your body starts to, you get sick less. You, your, your body is quickened. There's so much that we can experience here. We are not called to die and go to heaven. If you die, yes, you go to heaven for sure. Because you're already there. So if your body dies, then you are just there. Because you are one with him now. You don't travel to heaven. You are there now, united with him through the Spirit. Heaven is a higher realm around us. It's not a planet beyond Pluto. It's not in the natural realm. It's a spiritual realm. Okay. Right. Saying a lot. Okay. If the Spirit of him who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal bodies. Mortal means it's alive, but it's liable to death. So if mortal is quick, quickened, what happens? Okay. So let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We'll skip 2 for now because of time. Laat het ek begin preek, Nico. 10 voor? All right, okay. I'm trying to get a hold of time, otherwise we're going to be here till Tuesday. Okay, so Philippians chapter 3. Before we go to Philippians 3, let's just quickly read a couple of scriptures. I quoted it on, mentioned some of it on Friday, but let's just read some of it. Matthew chapter 10 Verse 39 says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life on my account will find it. Amplified, whoever finds his lower life will lose it, the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it, the higher life. So if you lose the Adam life, you will find the Christ life. But if you try to find the, the Adam life, you will lose the Christ life. Okay, so Matthew 16, Luke 9 says the same, but I'm just going to read Matthew 16. It says 25, whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort, security here, shall lose it, his eternal life. And whoever 
loses his life, his comfort, his security here for my sake, shall find it life everlasting. Okay, for what profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Right? His soul, says the King James in that context. Okay, so your soul needs to be filled with the life of Christ. Okay, so if you, if you try to, to fix Adam, you're going to lose the Christ life. Fixing Adam is a short way of saying you're in the law. Trying to make your own life better by your own actions. It's like a dog chasing its own tail. Okay? But if you just leave it, and you grab a hold of the life that Christ gives you through the gospel, you find something higher. That's baptism. I die, but I live. Okay, Philippians 3 verse 7. But whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider it as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Do you see that? Okay, so, but former things I had. I mean, this guy had all the degrees, he had all the accolades, his politics was just awesome. He knew all the right people, you know, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was like a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had a lot to gain in that worldly system there. Okay? He said, I consider it as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Verse 8. Yet furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus is worth much more than being the moderator of this church or being the president of that church or being, you know, having this degree or that degree. I'm not against degrees. I have degrees. It's not, it's not a bad thing, okay? But if you look at your degrees and not to, to Jesus and to, to try to know him, if your trust is in your degrees, then maybe don't speak anymore, but sit down. And I'm serious about this. There's so many people that speaks out of their knowledge, having no fellowship with Christ. Those words will kill you. Okay? The letter kills, but the Spirit makes alive. Okay, so he says, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake... I have lost everything, everything that the world says you're supposed to have to be successful. I've lost everything. And consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win Christ. Verse 9. And that I may actually be found and known as in Him, not having any self-achieved righteousness. There's the tree of knowledge again. Okay? Not having any self-achieved righteousness, Romans chapter 10, verse 2 and 3, they're ignorant of God's righteousness, but they they seek to establish a righteousness of their own. Okay? I want to be found in Him, known as in Him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands. Ritualistic uprightness, etc. in brackets. But possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ. The truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. 
righteousness that you receive by faith in Jesus. That's it. That's all you need. You receive his righteousness because you believe in him. Okay? Verse 10. My determined purpose is that I may know him. So, do you want to know the purpose of your life? You know, we're going to have courses, you know, on purpose of your life and all kinds of things. Here's the purpose of your life, that I may know him. However that pans out, is, is, is less important than knowing him. Give the rest over to him. He has the blueprint for everything. You don't have to know everything. You just need to know him. Okay? So everyone, you know, ah, I want to know everything of what my life is going to be before I move. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Then you don't trust him. All you need to know is what he said to you. And the question is, have I done what he said last? Or have I believed what he said last? So hear what he's saying and do that. And do it until he says something else. Okay? So, how long was it now? 17 years ago, God said, leave your career as a lawyer and go into ministry. Okay? So he hasn't said anything else. I'm not doing anything else. Okay? So he said, go to Potchefstroom. So I went to a ministry in Potchefstroom, to Marensnell, and I served there for three years. So I cleared the schedule for the rest of my life. And I was there until he spoke again. But he spoke again end of 2007. Go to Pretoria and start a ministry. So I was still there for the January 2008 to... Uh, to give over, you know, all the stuff that I was doing to other people. So on 1st of February, 2008, put everything in my dad's bucky, and I drove back, back to Pretoria. And uh, then the ministry started, 1st of February, 2008. Okay. How did it start? Well, I just rented the library hall and said, hey, everybody, we've got church. I started having services. Sometimes there was one person. Sometimes there were two. Sometimes there was no people. But then I preached and I recorded it and I made a CD and I distributed the CD so that that sermon can go out. Okay? <laughs> Some of those CDs ended up in Namibia through truckers. And it's amazing how far those CDs went. So maybe those, those sermons touched more people <laughs> than, than today. <laughs> so... Um, some ended up in Zambia, so it went all over. Okay. But I just did what the Spirit said. How was it going to happen? I don't know. If I knew, maybe I wouldn't have done it. If you would have told me a year ago that we would have been in this building, in this area, I would not have believed you. But God spoke, and here we are. Okay? <laughs> I mean... How? I don't know. Here we are. Okay. So it's, it's such a random thing, but God wants to do something here, so here we are. Okay. So, rabbit trails again. It's about knowing him and not about knowing everything. Okay. 
Now, this, this 10 again. My determined purpose, purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly, more clearly. So your job is to know Jesus clearer and clearer. The rest is up to Him. That I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection, which it is, exerts over believers. So that power of life that will quicken the mortal body. So I, I must know Him and the power of His resurrection. Okay? Which it exerts over believers and that I may so share His sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into His likeness even to His death in the hope that if possible... I may attain to the spiritual moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in the body. So I share his sufferings with communion. I share his death through baptism. That's faith. So will there be persecution? Maybe. So what happens then if that comes? Well, he says we're struck down but not destroyed. You know, persecuted but not abandoned. Always bearing in the body the same liability, the same putting to death that Christ suffered. So that the uh, resurrection life of Christ, the life of Christ might be made evidenced or might be made manifest in mortal flesh. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, so whatever happens in the natural, if you are plugged into the source, the source will manifest. So if persecution comes, what happens? The life increases. They try to persecute the church throughout the ages. What happens every time a revival? Every time the church just explodes and goes everywhere. So persecution precedes church growth in history all the time. So they try to stop the church. The church just, the power just gets more. The life just gets more. Because then there's, a, there's no um, confusion of what is light and what is darkness. Sometimes darkness is so comfortable that we think it's okay. But, you know, when stuff goes a bit wobbly, then we can recognize, oh, that's darkness, so let's turn to light. <laughs> and when we turn to light, he manifests. So that's why. Okay, so, rabbit trails. Thank you, Jesus. Focus. Okay. Not Jesus that must focus, I must focus. Okay. Right, so, not that I have attained this ideal, already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold to grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. So there's something I'll grab a hold of. That's the spiritual life. I do it by faith in the cross, by getting to know Jesus, by loosening myself from the old. Okay? But he says now, I have to jump to Philippians too. Sorry, I need to say this. So he said, 
verse 5. Let this same attitude and purpose and, uh, and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. So the King James says, being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Okay, so he, hadn't try, he didn't have to try to rob to try and get that equality with God. He had it. Okay, but he said, let this mind be in you. So, um, the other translations say it more, you know, like if you read the New American Standard or the NIV, it will say it the same as the Amplified. See, we did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But just the next chapter, he says, I grab it, I grasp it. Let's just read on. He says, just remember always, one with his death and then one with his resurrection. One with his death, then one with his resurrection. One with his humility, then one with his exaltation. One with his humility, one with his exaltation. One with his death, one with his resurrection. Just see the pattern. Okay, so he says, but stripped himself of all privileges, rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he, he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name that in at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Okay, every tongue should confess. All right. So, James 4, 1 Peter 5, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will exalt you. It's a humbling thing to surrender your life and be baptized, to give up your life, to surrender your life. It's a humbling thing to, to be made one with him in his death. So I humble myself. Leave everything. Everything that could have been, that could have counted in my favor in the natural. Leave it. Okay? Grab a hold of what God has for me. So it's not grabbing a hold of status on this side. Trying to make myself equal with God. That's not what he's talking about. He's, I died. I'm raised with Christ so that I may know him. And now I'm grabbing a hold of that for which he has apprehended me. I'm grabbing a hold of that. In the humility, humbling myself under him. Does it make sense? Okay. One more verse, then I'm done. Okay. You can say, wow, it's going to be such a short sermon. It's not going to be an hour and a half or two or three hours today. Okay, so. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4, verse 4. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds. So what's the God of this world? 
It's the same as 2 Corinthians 3.15, which is just a few verses before that, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the law. Okay. The God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image and likeness of God. For what we preach is not ourselves. So what we preach is not, oh, I have done this. Oh, I am the man of God. Look at me. I'm so wonderful. You need me, otherwise you cannot know Jesus. You need me, otherwise... Mm -mm. What we preach is not ourselves. If I say to you that you cannot know God if you don't receive me, Yeesh, that's not God. I'm sorry. It's not God. But if my heart is the rest of the scripture, ourselves merely as your servants for Jesus' sake. What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as your servants for Jesus' sake. So, it's called ministry. A servant ministers to someone. If the government ministers would get that, that would also be wonderful. So, it's a ministry. So, you humble yourself and serve someone else. Ministry. Serve someone with what? Him as Lord, not with me. So, what I have done is not what you're supposed to get. What he has done is what you're supposed to hear from me. Okay? So, a servant for his sake. So, if God is not going to use me to bless you, he will use someone else, but his desire is to bless you. If God is, uh, if, if I get exalted in my own mind, and I start preaching myself, okay, instead of Christ, I'm sure he will speak to me, but, and I'm trusting God to send people to speak to me if that ever happens. But if I, if I preach myself, God's purpose in your life doesn't stop. He will send someone else. The world is bigger than me. The church is bigger than me. The church is bigger than one ministry. He speaks many places. Very accurately. <laughs> okay. So it's very, it's a humbling thing to hear his voice. Thank you, Lord. So uh, you need to really let everything go. You need to give up everything. Everything that you think where you measure well, you've got to say bye-bye to it. I have died. It's not I that live, but Christ. So what we speak, what will edify you, what will lift you up into his glory, is exactly this mind, that which Jesus had, that he laid himself, he laid down his life, being in the 
the, the form of God in the image and likeness of God. So now, as ministers, you must, you must have the same mind. With other words, I have now died with Christ. I'm one with him in his death. I have now been raised with Christ. I'm one with him in his resurrection. I have been, you know, uh, I've ascended with Christ. I'm one with him seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. Okay? All scripture. So that is not a reason for me to think I'm better than anyone else. From that position, I'm called as a servant to bring that to you. Okay? So we need to serve one another, but we need to serve one another with the truth. Okay? I'm looking for a place to land. <laughs> okay. One last scripture, then, then we're done. Colossians chapter 3. If then you've been raised with Christ, verse 1, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. So aim at it. Meditate there. And then he says, verse 2, let me just get the cue there. Yeah, set your minds and keep it set on what is above and not the things that are on the earth. For your, for according to the world, as far as the world is concerned, you have died. And your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. So you need to go there to find it. When Christ is alive, is, okay, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears. Then you will also appear with him in the splendor of his glory. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. You need to disappear into him. No one is supposed to see me anymore. They see my body, but they're supposed to see him. Okay? Right? So we thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we have been made one with you in sharing your death through baptism. Thank you that we have been one, made one with you in sharing your resurrection life. So thank you, Lord. Let that life lift us from among the dead even while in the body. Let that life quicken our mortal bodies. Let that life dwell in our in our soul. Let that life touch us. Lord Jesus, we appear, we pray that you will appear in us and show the world who you really are. Lord, I pray that your body on earth will be the visible part of God. I pray that you will show yourself, reveal the Father again on this earth like you've done in the days of your flesh. Lord, I pray Show the world who you are. Show the world who you are. Teach us to live a completely surrendered, yielded life where it's only you that's, that's alive. Let that power flow through us. Let the sick be healed. Let the blind see. Let the dead be raised. Lord Jesus, we pray for the same works that you did, that we do the same works in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
this life in fellowship with resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen.